I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Statman Dave Football Podcast. This is episode eight. Two off the big number ten. In terms of the mic, I promised big things have turned up in the post. The shock mount has come, and also the big road arm has come. But unfortunately, the mic has not come yet. So, guys, unfortunately, it's going to be rubbish audio for at least today. But anyway, on today's episode, we're going to speak to the legend that is Nick O. Morales over on Twitter. We're going to talk about uh, Manchester City versus Monaco and of course the other game by Leverkusen versus Atletico Madrid. So stay tuned for that and we're going to finish off with the team of the week. But anyway, first up, let's go with the news. Well, first up, let's talk Wayne Rooney. Because there's been some rumours coming out today that he may be moving to China before the window closes. I do believe the window closes on Tuesday. So potentially Rooney could be moving to one of the big dogs over there. In terms of the United crew, I think he's he's done quite well um, this season for me. He's, in spells, he's been very good. He's There's been some key moments. He's created some big goals for United. But overall, it doesn't get in the first 11 for me. So over to China for Rooney. Could be a realistic option. He's going to be pocketing a lot of money. But Maybe he should call his pal Carlos Tevez that he reportedly is unhappy in China with his £635,000 per week. I don't know how you're unhappy, Carlos, pal. You've got to sort yourself out. In terms of other news, um, Pygate is still exploding um, on uh, Twitter. Uh, Gary Lineker has been a bit upset about it. Day by day, football is losing its heart and its sense of humour. Pygate, obviously, some bets paying for uh, the goalkeeper for Sutton United to eat a pie and offering a market. But we spoke about that yesterday, so let's leave that. The Times is reporting that Joe Hart will be available for £20 million in the summer. Could be a good option for a number of uh, English sides. You know, you look at the likes of Liverpool, uh, Everton could be a good move. But he's not actually been doing that well at Torino had a bit of a sinker at the weekend and one final bit of news um, coming over from Austria the Salzburger Nachtrichten hopefully I've not killed that too much sorry paper obviously I can't be liable to my poor pronunciation of words uh, UEFA won't accept more than one Red Bull uh, club in the Champions League. Either RB Leipzig or RB Salzburg will be banned. That is quite an interesting development from UEFA, but I imagine the guys at Red Bull will probably be able to slip past that like they slipped past the under the 50-plus rule in the Bundesliga. So, oh, well. But it is an interesting one, for obviously, for RB Salzburg fans who have seen a lot of their players move to Leipzig over the last few windows. But that's the end of the news. Let's get Nico on the line to talk some Champions League fun. Let's do it. 
So moving on to the Champions League review, I've drafted in a guy that knows Manchester City very well. He's a fan of the Gagan Press. He's a fan of Pep Guardiola. It's Nico from the Rondon, the weekly Rondon podcast. You can go and find him on Twitter at Nico O Morales. Nico, how's it going, buddy? It's going great. How you doing, Dave? Yeah, I am. I'm just pumped. You know, the Champions League is really starting to explode. We saw some good games last week. This week, it stepped up to another level. We talk first. Let's talk Manchester City versus Monaco. The game obviously finished five goals to three. But what a game it was! I predicted on the Statman Day Football Podcast a three-one win to Monaco. At one point, when Falcao was stepping up for that penalty, <laughs> I was completely right. But first up, Nico, why do you think pundits and and fans are so surprised by this Monaco team? When you know, for me and you who have seen them play football know what they do why do you think in the media especially nobody's taken account for them what they've done this season yeah I think it was a, a surprise for a lot of uh, a lot of pundits out there they were expecting Manchester City to absolutely be blown away and to some extent they were they were hit on the counter or er, the counterattack pretty hard and City didn't really have a have an answer to that uh, defensively but they certainly had an answer for it offensively they scored five pretty incredible goals from uh, a number of situations and they were pretty fantastic going forward but I will just say you predicted 3-1 I predicted a 2-1 city win on the <laughs> front three that's what happened baby. oh yeah <laughs> So if we add our, our scores together, we're nearly hitting the, the mark there. You know, we're if we almost, combine them, yeah, almost yeah. there. But anyway, in terms of uh, in terms of Monaco, let's start with them. One of the things that Yardim did to sort of falter City out of the back was press them high at the pitch. You know, you see the the turnover for the second, no, the first Monaco goal. Sorry, where it's turned over high up the pitch. Fabinho just whips the ball into Falcao, and it's a goal. Do you think Pep Guardiola was right to continue with that style of football, even though in the, you know they were stung with the turnover high up the pitch? Yeah, I actually think they 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 weren't correct in doing that. Really, that's the only answer in those sort of situations. Because if you if you tend to go long, especially with with this Manchester City team that doesn't compete physically with anyone, I mean, you look at the likes of Sterling, Aguero, David Silva. Those guys aren't going to compete physically with pretty much anyone. It doesn't matter what league they're playing in. So I certainly think it was the correct decision. And and one thing that people don't realize is that it wasn't really that high, or not that high. It was very high, but it was it wasn't that hard of a press. And, in terms of intensity um, you have to look at how the ball moves and how slowly it moves and, and when it's moving at that pace it's almost like a, a, a bit of a chess match in the way that you move the opposition's players through your passing through the passing between John Stones Otamendi and Caballero and in some cases they were correct in some cases the, the passing wasn't as good and, and you're gonna you're gonna mess up every now and again but I think I wrote in, a, in an article a while ago that, that pressure makes diamonds, and, and Guardiola believes in that. And I think if he keeps putting his team through these difficult situations and forces them to, to break through that, you know, the, the advantage to playing out of the back, besides pundits saying that it's just sexy football, which <laughs> it, it, it isn't because it's absolutely terrifying for Manchester City fans, is that you exp- if you're able to play through it quickly enough, you can expose a massive amount of space on the other end of the field. I think that was the big thing, you know, uh, the, the way you, how you described the press for Monaco was perfect. It wasn't um, as aggressive as the likes of, you know, Jurgen Klopp's press at Borussia Dortmund at Liverpool. It was more positionally they were waiting for City to play into a certain trap and then they go. You know, you saw how they, they sort of forced City out to, towards the, the touchline and then they went and then they pressed. But like you're saying, when City got round that press, they looked so, so good on the break and that is something that people or pundits or football fans may not sort of take is that if you do play through a press, you're pretty much on the back four. And with the likes of Sterling, Sane, uh, Silva, Aguero, the City have players that are so dangerous in that zone. One combination of players that I thought did very, very well against Monaco in an attacking sense was Sane and Silva obviously combining for the first Manchester City goal. How impressed were you with those two in terms of their link-up, in terms of their interchanging of positions and their fluidity in the final third? 
Extremely impressed. Like you said, you know, once you play through that press, you're pretty much onto the back four. And those situations where you're breaking against a back four that's backing up, what tends to happen is that 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 back four becomes flat and you can penetrate it with one pass and it takes three, possibly even four players out of it. And you saw that with Raheem Sterling, Aguero, Sané. Aguero had a, a pretty damn good game defensively and offensively. And you see someone like Leroy Sané taking on players left, right and center. And, and you just have to wonder if that combination of those three players as well as David Silva and Kevin De Bruyne or someone like Gabriel Jesus, you know, that's got to be up there with some of the best offenses in Europe, realistically. 100%. I think the thing that City did so well um, attacking Monaco was overloading the penalty area with, like you just mentioned there, Silva, De Bruyne, Sterling, Aguero. Sort of when the ball was in wide areas, City would have sort of four men in the penalty area. I think that's credit to what Pep Guardiola has done in recent years. You know, we did that at uh, Bayern Munich playing with sort of five attackers in a way. And I love to sort of watch that attacking football. Do you think City were arguably a little bit lucky in terms of how they got back into the game? You know, the Aguero goal was a, a bit of a, a mistake from the Monaco goalkeeper and of course the penalty save. I love how De Bruyne got into Falcao's head if you, have, yeah. if you sort of watch yeah, yeah, yeah. it again and he sort of comes back and he, he says something whatever he says gets into Falcao's head and he misses the penalty do you think yeah. there was a slight bit of luck towards City getting back in? Yeah, I think I think we benefited from a bit of, of good fortune. Obviously, Billy Caballero coming up with that penalty save, which was huge. It wasn't a great penalty from Falcao by any stretch of the imagination, but at the same time, it was a good save. Kevin De Bruyne, which was really weird, he like moved to kick a, a coin or a bottle cap or something off the pitch, which kind of threw his walk-up off, I feel mm. like. And actually changed the the course of the penalty in some sense. And then obviously Aguero's goal was was a pure mistake by uh, Monaco's goalkeeper. But at the same time, you know, we look at the chances that they created and and the clear cut chances that they created. I mean, it, it, like I like I was talking to you pre record. You know, Monaco created their goals. Really only one in possession, the other two on the counterattack due to mm. what I consider to be a failed counterpress by Manchester City. Manchester City scored five goals and created eight shots on target, I believe, against a compact 4-4-2 that's been pretty damn good all season long. And for me, that's really difficult to do. So credit to City. Yeah, I think City definitely deserves some credit. And someone that you men- mentioned before, Aguero, in terms of uh, winning tackles and pressing, you know, it's something that Gabriel Jesus came in and did very, very well for me. And Aguero sort of showing his might there. You know, only, only Otamendi won more tackles on the pitch than Sergio Aguero. But going back to Monaco, there were some very impressive uh, performances going forward. I thought Bernardo Silva. Uh, was absolutely brilliant again a big big fan of Bernardo Silva he comes off the flank so good you know he's twisting his turns his dribbles the nutmeg on Yaya Torre then the through ball was just a fantastic bit of individual play in terms of Monaco players who really impressed you and would you like any of the players to sort of come to Manchester City in the summer you know the likes of Fabinho Bakayoko who sort of really looked good in the first half and then sort of fell out the game a little bit or maybe some of the attackers Mbappe uh, Silva as I mentioned before yeah, I think you have to look at some of the central midfielders. Um, you know, in terms of, of what's going around in, in the football media right now about the mass exodus that will happen this summer at City, I don't believe in that one bit. And I actually am thinking that Guardiola isn't going to buy what many people claim that he should buy, which is fullbacks. And obviously Monaco's fullbacks were excellent, credit to them, except for, you know, a little bit of uh, defensive mistakes. <laughs> but going forward, they were fantastic. They were they were torturing us all night with their pace and their acceleration and their ability to deliver balls into the final third. But I think players that, you know, are in that central midfield area, Bakayoko sort of really impressed me with his physicality and passing and everything like that, as well as Silva. Um, But, you know, Yaya Toure's job is very difficult being really the only deep central midfielder in that area, having to win those tackles, having to ignite the counter press, having to do all those defensive duties in that giant central midfield area is someone is a job that's very difficult for someone of his age and someone that isn't prone to to defensive responsibility. So perhaps someone like 
Bakayoko, really more of a, a, a deeper defensive midfielder that can uh, that has a, a, a great range of passing like Aya Toure. Again, you know, someone that we've we've spoke about me and you hundreds of t- hundreds of times, William Carvalho would be perfect. But I also think Fabinho, I would love to see him at Manchester United. And I've said that, you know, I said that <laughs> yesterday uh, on the show. But unfortunately, he really would suit Manchester City. You know, won fifty nine tackles in Liga this season. I think only four players have managed more, considering he's playing for an attacking Monaco team. That is very very impressive. Finally, let's touch on Falcao, who had a mixed game. Obviously, he took his first goal very very well, then missed the penalty. But what I loved about Falcao was the second goal. That was classic Falcao. A simple ball into the channels, beats his defender, and then the chip was just absolutely exquisite. In terms of what he's done at Monaco, I've been very, very impressed. Do you think that he had the beating of the Manchester City defenders? And are you worried with the form of John Stones defensively and Otamendi that City maybe have to spend another £100 million, um, replacing those guys in the summer? No, not really. I think... Um, you know, John Stones comes under uh, under a lot of crit- criticism in this game, and not just this game, but really all season. And it's really difficult uh, in a lot of circumstances because we have to analyze uh, sort of the defensive entity that I think Guardiola seeks to to make John Stones and his other defenders. It's not really a traditional uh, defender in that sense. I think we have to look at since Guardiola po- piles so many players farther forward. There are really two core key aspects to defending that Guardiola uh, likes to implement into his team so that they really don't have to technically traditionally defend, which is the counter press, which we've talked about, which is a lot of the uh, you know higher up players and, and more midfielders responsibility, as well as the line. And Nicolas Otamendi was terrible at holding that high line yesterday. If you look at how Tottenham hold their high line with their best back three or best back four in place, they hold it excellently. And I, I think in a number of situations, you see John Stones trying to hold the line, trying to play those those offensive players offsides, and Nicholas Otamendi just has no idea what he's talking about, or not what he's talking about, but he, what he's doing. There's probably lack of communication there as well. But um, in terms of the defenders, you know, obviously the one-on-one situation didn't didn't uh, didn't go well for John Stones, and, and it was a mistake. But I think, you know, he's 22 years old. He's being put into situations where a lot of, def- I mean, how many, how many times do we see central defenders in one-on-one situations yeah. on the counterattack in Europe and them coming out in favorable situations? I think he had a mixed performance, but in terms of saying that he's, he's a terrible defender or, the, or any, anything of the like is really ridiculous. Yeah, I don't read into that. I did think Otamendi was quite poor, though, in terms of you know the things that you spoke about there, the Mbappe goal as well. City were a little bit too sloppy in there. They weren't organised. They weren't um, in, in the correct shape, in the correct body position. Maybe mentally they were a little bit switched off, and that ball over the top was Otamendi's all day long. You go to the Falcao goal, I think, as well. It's a similar thing. Like you mentioned, that the high line, Otamendi, I think he's slightly playing Falcao on. So there is some big questions for this City defence. So I think Guardiola is the correct man to move this team on. In terms of predictions for the next leg, uh, Nico, I'd honestly say it's advantage Monaco at the moment, considering they average three goals per game in every single... Well, that's their average over the season. Um, I kind of expect them to score goals at home, given that they've got those three away goals. Do you think that City are going to have to go to Monaco and score at least two to progress through to the quarterfinals? I think it'll be a much more solid performance. I think if you look at the first and second leg of the Barcelona tie, um, earlier this year we saw it wide open in the first, obviously, which Manchester City obviously started very well, and then there was a red card and the game just kind of went to shit. Um, but the second <laughs> leg was fantastic, and they didn't concede more than one goal against a pretty talented Barcelona team that was in form at the time. So I think we'll see a much more uh, concentrated performance with more emphasis on the counterpress. One thing that I will highlight is that there are massive... There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. 
PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Amount of games between now and then for Manchester City. I mean, you talk yeah. about fixture congestion. Look at <laughs> look at Manchester City right now. So it's going to be a difficult one in terms of managing that. But we'll see what what Pep Guardiola puts the priority on, and I think uh, I think it'll be a little bit more uh, less open. Yeah, 100%. I think that Guardiola's kind of shown that he doesn't really care about the FA Cup, not really too bothered about the League Cup, so it is about the Champions League and the Premier League for him. Big last question, will Man City win the Champions League this season? Ah, oh, that's a difficult one. Uh, <laughs> Manchester, uh, I mean, the Champions League is, is one of those competitions where you have to hit your stride at the right time, and I think Manchester City are building towards that, but in terms of winning it, I think we'd need some luck in the draw. So, you know, maybe... But I'm not 100% sure. Moving on to the other game on Tuesday, and that was Atletico Madrid going over to Leverkusen and playing by Leverkusen, a game that I thought would be a bit of a stalemate with both teams playing a sort of high-press, aggressive style. But the game was so, so open. Uh, in terms of players that really impressed me, Gabri um, stood out like an absolute sore thumb in terms of what he did in the first 30 minutes. I thought he was fantastic. Continually winning the ball and um, starting counter-attacks. There were two big counter-attack opp- opportunities that he created before the goal. And that goal from Saul was fantastic. How do you how do you rate Saul in terms of midfielders in, in Europe, in terms of what he's done recently? Obviously, you go back to the goal he scored against Bayern Munich in the Champions League last season, and he scored another banger now. In terms of consistency, a little bit off. Are you, are you a fan of the, the Spanish midfielder? Yeah, I am, I am a big fan of, of Saul. I think he's one of those, def- or not defenders, but one of those midfielders, one of those players that's really growing into the Diego Simi mold of, of growing into a player in the sense that, let's listen, let's get your defensive duties down first and then you can flourish offensively because they are high fidelity chances that these p- players are being put into. But in terms of the goal he scored both last season and this season, you know, that's fantastic. And it, it really shows the quality of a, of a great player. I'm not sure if, you know, if he's put into another team that he produces the same thing so consistently, but he obviously is a very good player. Yeah, technically, absolutely fantastic. But I think it is that consistency in terms of tackles. He made 10 in the game and won six of them. That was more than any other player on the pitch. So he did put a very good shift in. What you mentioned before in terms of the, the counter-attack that Atletico have been breaking on teams for the last few seasons have been so successful. For me, that was a big thing for Roger Smith's side. They were quite poor in the transition from them attacking to defence. They play with very high fullbacks. Uh, the likes of Vendel and Hendricks get very high up the pitch. The problem I felt with Leverkusen was that they didn't have their defence, their two central midfielders as 
well. Kevin Campbell um, and Aaron Geith, they didn't hold. And it was so many times that it was Griezmann and Gromero up against Toprak and uh, Dragovic. Do you think that's an issue in terms of what Roger Schmidt's done there in terms of his press and his attacking thing, that he's not actually got a uh, sort of organising, holding midfielder sitting in front of those two back centre-backs? Yeah, it's a weird one because we've seen Roger Schmidt sort of become in, embroiled in these Champions League shootouts. I, I think if you look at the the game last year <laughs> yeah. between um, uh, Roma, forgot about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Roma last year. I think it was three three or four four yeah. in both legs or something like that. So he seems to go for it in the Champions League, which is weird. And then in the Bundesliga, you know, you see his excellent medium block, which is a fantastic. Uh, defensive organization that's holistic as well as you know some of the pressing that he, he likes his team to do which is which Pep Guardiola has spoken to is probably one of the most organized and most intense presses uh, in the world when he was at Salzburg so it's a weird one he seems to go for it in the Champions League it didn't work out for him in this in this situation um, but but you know I think if he were to adjust his uh, his philosophy when it comes to the Champions League I think he could be a little bit more successful because as we've seen defensive teams tend to go far. I think it's another thing that you mentioned before about centre-backs defending in wide areas. Dragovic and uh, Toprak were so, so poor dealing with a counter-attack. Grimero was so good at drifting into the channels and causing some problems. You know, you go to the, the goal that he created for Antoine Griezmann, a fantastic move to the channels, and then waiting, 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 wait for you know his strike partner to come next to him, side-foots at home, a brilliant goal. But there were so, opp- so many opportunities that were created in that way where it was a, a simple pass into the channels, Grimero creating all sorts of problems. You go to the, the penalty that he won on his own. Again, a simple ball to the channels, comes across, gets taken out, scores the penalty. A question, Simeone, though, in terms of his, his substitutions. Gromero, for me, was absolutely flying, and he was as soon as Gromero came off the pitch, Atletico started to drop a little bit deeper. They didn't have anything on the counter-attack, and arguably Leverkusen could have got back into the game. In terms of the goals that Leverkusen scored, both for, coming from wide areas, do you feel that Atletico this season have a slight issue with dealing with crosses from those wide areas? I don't want to really blame the full-backs, but more the centre-backs. Without Diego Godin in that sort of area, you, list, you sort of lack that real leadership, and Moya Savic, they had an absolute stinker for the second Leverkusen goal. Do you think with Godin and Oblak coming back into the side that that'll be completely eradicated, that sort of issue from corners? Yeah, yeah, definitely is a possibility because those are some of the best defenders in the world in terms of defending uh, defending those those set pieces and really organizing players and, and marking and stuff like that. But I think if you look at the, the Atletico 4-4-2, it's a difficult thing to struggle with because the 4-4-2 should be defensively solid really in all parts, but especially out wide because you have the overload of the, of the, of the wide midfielder and also the, the fullback pressuring those outside players. So it's something that could, could probably definitely be organized by a more consistent and better defender centrally really organizing that, that defensive system. 100%. I definitely think if Goodeen was was playing um, against Leverkusen, both of those goals for me don't go in. I think the first one, his awareness is a lot better than what we, we saw um, from Savic um, and Jose Jimenez. I thought Jose Jimenez had a really good game for me, but it was his partner Savic that was a little bit iffy. Um, and I think if Goodeen was in there, the first goal, positionally would be a lot better to, to deal with, with the ball in from, from Hendricks and potentially be a lot closer uh, to Bellabi. Sorry, sorry, the goal scorer probably just killed that name. Oh, well. Um, but in terms of Atletico going forward, so, so impressive on that counter-attack. And I, I fully expect them to uh, progress. I was very impressed with Koke again. He got forward well. He played. He was moved to the, the wing um, later on 
on in the game and, and broke with, with such pace. But I was quite impressed with Luis and uh, Veselko at fullback. In terms of uh, Veselko, he got forward so well and the ball he put in for the Fernando Torres goal, which has given Atletico a huge advantage, was very, very impressive. Atletico take a big, big advantage back to uh, Madrid with a 4-2 lead. That's four massive away goals and with Griezmann and Gramero combining on the counter-attack. And there, 4-4-2 looking a lot better than the 4-2-4 that they played against Sporting Gijon this week. I fully expect them to go through. Have you got a score prediction for the second leg? Uh, I think we're going to see Atletico shut up shop and get a 2-0 win here. Solid 6-2 aggregate lead. Unfortunately, Roger Schmidt and Leverkusen falling out of the Champions League. I kind of agree with that. I think it's going to be a tight game, but Atletico will definitely nick it. Well, that's enough for the Champions League. Let's move on to talk a little bit about the Europa League. As a United fan, I'm only sort of blinded by United playing in the Europa League this season, Nico. But are there any teams that have sort of um, surprised you that the listeners or the viewers should go and check out on Thursday night if they're not what, you know, obviously United are playing on the Wednesday? Yeah, definitely. I think Roma-Villarreal was a really interesting first time. And 4-0 really flatters Roma. And we've seen them do this this season. Their expected goals don't really reflect the the quality of chances that they're getting. Um, or, or perhaps I, I said that wrong. But, you know, they're scoring a lot of low-quality chances with some great shots, which they've been mm. doing consistently. So you have to say that maybe it's something they're just good at doing. But, um, you know, the time might be dead. But I don't think we're going to see Villarreal give up here because they, they can certainly feel robbed after the after the first leg but Roma are a really exciting side to watch they like to get forward with players like Njeko uh, Rajanayangalan and and really they they play a 3-4-3 sort of like uh, Chelsea but not as good <laughs> <laughs> the worst Chelsea you know Mo Salah I've been a big fan of Mo Salah since he's moved back to Syria very good at Fiorentina and very good at Roma but in Ed Zeko they've got a guy in form so if you're if you're bored on Thursday night go and check out uh, Roma versus Villarreal Nico is saying it is the dog's balls but anyway <laughs> thanks for uh, joining me today Nico remember if you want to follow Nico on Twitter it's Nico underscore O Morales is that correct Nico it is correct thank you Dave. it is correct and obviously the weekly rondon where Nico drops the podcast maybe three four one time a week he, you know it's whatever <laughs> he decides he's a creative freedom there but thanks again for joining me Nico and uh, make sure you go and check him out on Twitter and I'll drop the link in the description below on uh, Acast uh, and of course on YouTube but anyway cheers Nico Right, it's that time again for the team of the week. This this week's team, we're going to set up with a 4-4-2, reminiscent of Atletico system away at Bayer Leverkusen in the Champions League. In goal, we're going to go for Diego Banuglia, the Wolfsburg keeper, kept it respectable against Borussia Dortmund, made an incredible seven saves, the most of any Bundesliga goalkeeper. Two saves that really shone uh, to Abemiang, uh, close 1v1 saves. Again, Abemiang not having the greatest luck in front of goal in recent week, considering his mid- misfiring performance against Benfica but he will get back into the goals and will make the team of the week potentially next week moving into defence I think at right back we've got to go with Philip Lahm was brilliant against Hertha Berlin in terms of the stats he really shone he created more chances than any other player on the pitch against Hertha Berlin but more importantly completed more passes in the final third for a right back that is absolutely incredible and as well in terms of the chance creation stat the seven chances that he created no player in Europe's top five leagues managed more at the weekend Philip Lahm why are you you're so good anyway moving on to the centre halves I think we've got to start off with Jose Jimenez's performance against Bayer Leverkusen for me was very very good when his partner Diego Godin comes back expect Atletico to start keeping these clean sheets again in terms of uh, interceptions he made more than any other player on the pitch against Bayer Leverkusen and the clearances and was just a lot better than his partner Savic and really helped uh, Atletico keep it to just two goals conceded because there was a little bit of pressure after the Guerrero substitution 
Moving on to his partner, I think we've got to look at Samuel Mtiti. Uh, the Barcelona French international was so good um, at the weekend. Completed 124 passes, and that's what you were going to get um, from signing Samuel Mtiti. You're going to get that ability on the ball. Was fantastic on the ball at Lyon and has brought that form over. But the 124 passes that he completed, that's the most he's ever managed in a single game in his entire career. So well done, Samuel Mtiti. Top stuff playing out of the back. In terms of left fullback, I think we're going to go for Lulic from Lazio quite interestingly performance of the weekend against Empoli started off on the left wing played left central midfield and then finished off a left back but his stats were fantastic created more chances than any other player on the pitch in terms of dribbles complete dribble past more opponents than any other player again this weekend but it was very very good his ability to change positions and he's been in this Lazio team and is shining again moving on into midfield I think we're going to have to stick with Bernardo Silva on the right wing his performance against Manchester City was great and he grabbed the goal at the weekend in terms of the game against Manchester City he uh, completed more dribbles than any opponent the fantastic move inside dribbling past two players then the nutmeg on Yaratori to the through ball it was a proper evolved modern playmaker manoeuvre and was brilliant but I thought he was really good in the the game dominated um, on the right hand side especially on that counter attack with some fantastic little moves moving on into central midfield I think we're going to go with Fabinho and Koke Koke for his performance both against Sporting Gijon some great link up play with Anton Griezmann and Kevin Gramero uh, but also his display against Leverkusen did very well again at central midfield then moving out to the left hand side partnered by Fabinho the guy that I want to see United replace Michael Carrick with if they've got up the cash um, pressed very very well against City the ball in for the goal was fantastic got two assists in that first half but all, all round played very well you know using his brain for the clipping that ball over the top to Mbappe when City had switched off a fantastic performance for the Brazilian moving on to the left wing I think it's got to be Feuchberg uh, back in form the Swede, two, two, uh, one goal, sorry, and an assist. But his link-up play with uh, Timo Werner and the rest of the and Nabil Keita um, and Sabitzer was fantastic. Both of the goals that Leipzig scored this uh, last weekend were so good. The interplay was fantastic. Short, controlled, fast passing, back heels and so forth. Took his goal very well. A lovely left-footed, uh, sorry, left-footed, I think it was a right-footed shot into the bottom uh, left corner and the assist for the, the Werner goal was a brilliant pass into the channel that Timo Werner banged into the back of the net. Anyway, the two strikers in this 4-4-2, we're going to go with Antoine Griezmann and, of course, Kevin Grimero. Both have been fantastic. First of the weekend against Sporting Heon. Griezmann with the two assists. One of the, the first one, a very crucial move. Coquet to Griezmann, slip through ball to Grimero, who put the ball away. Fantastic. And, obviously, his strike partner, who was brilliant against uh, Leverkusen, but also very, very good at the weekend, Kevin Grimero. A hat-trick inside five minutes. Of course, you're going to make team of the week. But that is the team from front to back. Let's go. So, Diego Benuglia at centre and goal. Sorry, Philip Lahm at right back then. Mtiti, Jose Jimenez, Luic at left back, Silva, Fabinho, Koke, Feuchberg in midfield, and then Griezmann and, of course, Gramero up front. That team would be capable of doing some damage. But anyway, guys, please get in, uh, in the comments below of YouTube and, of course, tweet me at StatmanDave if you're listening on iTunes or on Acast. Who have I missed out in Team of the Week? Any big standouts? Obviously, I've not got the uh, midweek Champions League games, the Porto versus uh, Juventus and, of course, uh, Leicester City versus Sevilla uh, because those games were actually after I recorded. But anyway, guys, that has been that for the Stat 
Sat Monday Football Podcast today. If you are new to the show, make sure you subscribe to me on YouTube, follow me on Twitter, jump on Acast and drop a review on iTunes because I'll be reading out the best reviews on Friday's podcast where Stephen Elson is going to come by to get involved with the QA. So if you want to get your questions in early, get them in now on Twitter at StatmanDay. Make sure you follow me and drop the little tweet. But anyway, thanks for listening. Thanks to Nico again. On Twitter, follow Nico. Nico underscore O Morales. He's a great guy and he's got some great football knowledge. So make sure you go over there. And also, have you liked the format of bringing somebody on to the StatmanDay football podcast to give some more insight? See you later, guys. Over and out. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. AdWanted UK is the provider of single-source media data for agencies, media owners, brands and academic institutions. And thanks to our rebranded news offering, called The Media Leader, we can also lead the way in championing excellence and inclusion in the media industry. To find out more, simply visit the-media-leader.com to subscribe to our daily bulletins. The Media Leader, from AdWanted UK.